been able to kind of identify in reflecting back, certainly I didn't feel this way at the time, but in reflecting back, I can kind of um, experience this change in like three different chapters. And the first one was letting go and releasing myself from external expectations. And so I realized kind of at the, towards the end of my marriage and, and beginning of this new relationship that I had built a life that allowed me to be really successful, but I wasn't happy. I was in the job I was supposed to be, in the marriage I was supposed to be, living in the house I was supposed to be, like all the things. I played by all the rules. I knew the rules. I played by them and I won. Like I was successful. But then I would look around and be like, is this it? Welcome to Normalizing Non-Monogamy, the podcast where we interview incredible people from across the entire spectrum of non-monogamy to hear their fascinating stories. We strive to bring guests on the show who have a healthy approach to non-monogamy. However, it's important to remember that everyone does it a little bit differently, and the views and opinions expressed by our guests do not necessarily reflect our own. Additionally, we produce this show for entertainment purposes only. Please be aware that we aren't doctors or therapists. Consult a medical professional for anything regarding your health that you might learn about on the show. Enjoy! Welcome to episode 186. We're Finn and Emma, and today we have an incredible interview with Jacqueline. She is the co-host and COO of Curious Fox, which is a podcast, website, and community all about inspiring individuals to challenge the status quo in love, sex, and relationships. Nailed it. Nailed it. (laughs) (laughs) But really, we have a fantastic discussion with her. Yeah, no, and Jacqueline is polyamorous, pansexual, a mom. She's a change strategist in her day job. So, like, this conversation covers so many things, and it is such an amazing conversation. So thank you, Jacqueline, for being here, for reaching out, for coming on, and for all the work you do. Yes. You're going to definitely want to stay tuned and listen. And links to everything Jacqueline talks about, uh, her uh, her Instagram, everything for the Curious Fox, blog post she talks about, literally everything is in the show notes. So head over to our website, normalizingnonmonogamy.com, if you want to learn more about Jacqueline and the work she does Uh, at The Curious Fox, and in her personal life. Yes, go check it out. Before we jump into the show, we do have a couple of quick announcements, as we usually do. The first is tonight. That is June 23rd, Wednesday. Tonight is our... That's tonight. Tonight is our meet and greet. We have it from... Virtual meet and greet. Virtual meet and greet. You're right. I'm just going to keep talking over you. (laughs) Thanks for interrupting (laughs) me all the time. Um, I wouldn't have to interrupt you if you would do it right. You know that? (laughs) I'm doing just fine here. I think I'm doing just fine. and But it's hard to keep going when you All keep right. interrupting me. I agree. Okay. Tonight, <laughs> Wednesday, June 23rd from 6 to 8 p.m. Pacific or 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern, we have our next virtual meet and greet. These are $10 open to everyone, and we would love to have you come join us. They're super fun. We have a great time. We give you guys breakout questions and give you chances to meet a bunch of different people and talk to us as well. So it's we have so much fun with these. Yeah, they're $10 to sign up. They're open to anybody and everybody. I said that. And we would... <laughs> I see. It's time for payback. <laughs> you just repeated everything I said. So we'd love to see you there. Uh, one thing Emma did not mention... <laughs> is that this will be our last one until probably September. Uh, We recognize that it's the summer and people are outside doing things other than sitting at their computers. And so we would also like to do that. Yes. Uh, Therefore, we're going to not do one in July. We're not going to do one in August, but we will be back in September. Don't worry. We will be back. And we would love to see you tonight. But if not, we will see you in September. Yes. The other thing we want to talk about, I guess you just summed up everything, right? Like, I feel like you really just. They're really everything. watching the sausage be made here. <laughs> I know. 
<laughs> okay. So the other thing we wanted to talk about too is our Patreon community. Thank you, first of all, to everyone who is part of that community. It is amazing. We talk about it every week, but thank you. We are so incredibly lucky to have all of you be part of that community. We also have a couple of uh, dates coming up. Well, at the end of July, we have our women's call on July 20th, our men's group call on July 21st, and our Q&A on July 28th. More information is available on our website, normalizingnonmonogamy.com. Just click on the Patreon button. Yeah, and, and before those calls come up, there is the ongoing MeWe chat. So if you're looking to uh, have community around you, uh, an open-minded community, check it out. It's only a couple bucks a month, and we'd love to see you there. Yes. Uh, last thing before we jump into the interview is we wanted to make a quick shout out for stdcheck.com. This is the service that Emma and I use to get tested for STIs. We absolutely love it. We've been using it for years. We've heard nothing but good things about it from uh, everybody who's used it, and uh, we highly recommend it. It's about $130 for a 10-panel test. You get a $10 discount if you use the links on our website, and Using those links helps support the show financially, so we appreciate it, and thank you to anybody who has done this in the past. Uh, we do want to say one other thing. If you've used the service and you loved it, uh, we'd love to hear from you, and we'd love to use your feedback sort of as a testimonial that we can play here so you don't have to listen to us talk. Right. And uh, if you do that, we'll get you into one of the future meet and greets or some swag or something to as a thank you uh, for doing that. So head over to our website. Click on the resources tab. That's where you'll find the links to use uh, STD Check and click on the contact us tab to send us a voicemail and let us know what you thought. And I think we forgot to mention a few minutes ago that you can also click on the meet and greet tab on our website <laughs> to sign up for the meet and greet tonight. I knew you forgot something about that <laughs> meet and greet. That's what I was trying to correct you about. Right? Well, you forgot to that very crucial part of yeah. how to sign up. All right. I think I think we need to go sort this out between the two of us. <laughs> And let's go talk to Jacqueline. And really quick before we do, uh, if you want to send us a voicemail or email about anything, not just stdcheck.com, again, click on that contact us tab and let us know how we're doing. We'd love to hear from you. And yeah, thank you. Yeah, actually, also. Oh no, here we go. Happy summer. It's like the first couple days of summer officially. And I'm super excited. So I hope everyone's out there enjoying the sunshine and having a wonderful week. Yeah. Now let's go talk to Jacqueline. Let's do it. Guess we're all set now. We're going. Ready? Everything's this good. Is recording now. <laughs> all, this, all this editing you're making me have to do. Oh yeah, cut the beginning out real hard. <laughs> oh, welcome, Jacqueline, to the show. We're so happy that you're here this morning, and we're excited to talk to you and hear more about your story and your journey. I am so excited to be here. I really appreciate the work that you all are doing to reflect stories of thriving in non-monogamy because I think folks have all these impressions of what it means and what it looks like and particularly like the dramatic side of it and to show folks talking about the struggle but also how it aligns to their truth and how they get through it and i just i appreciate your work oh well thank you that's very kind and likewise we're excited to get more people towards your work as well and we'll definitely dive into that in a little bit but Before we do, do you mind introducing yourself for us and for the listeners so we sure. can all know who we're talking to? Yeah. So my name is Jacqueline Misla, and I am many, many things, um, including the co-podcast host for Curious Fox podcast, which is a show that challenges the status quo in love, sex, and relationships. I identify as polyamorous, currently in polyfidelitist relationships. I am Latina. I am 
pansexual. I'm a mom. I'm a New Yorker. I uh, do this work as a passion project on the side in my day-to-day world. I am a change strategist and organizational development consultant and also a coach that works with people on navigating through change. And so most of what I do every day has to do with change and kind of challenging the status quo in different areas. And then kind of in the evenings and weekends, I get to do that about love, sex, and relationships. Wow. Wow. You have a full plate. <laughs> but that's amazing. And what a awesome introduction. <laughs> well, and I like the, I hate the word synergy, but it, it's fitting here. I like the synergy between your day job and your hobbies and passion, passion projects. projects. So yeah. I love that. Yeah. That took work to get there. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll tell a little bit about that in my story, but it was about finding that alignment across all the things. Um, and yeah, I'm engaged. I mean, in a lot of stuff, I did the general joke is uh, if three houses, two partners, one kid and a partridge and a pear tree, there's just a lot always going on. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe it behooves us to go back to the beginning. Yeah. Um, I, you, you, I, I would assume, maybe I'm wrong, you didn't start with three houses no. and <laughs> two partridges in the pear again. tree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So how did it, how, how, yeah, how did a, we get here? Good question. So I think that my story is the same as many of your guests, actually, and your listeners um, had a religious upbringing, followed all the rules, didn't have any models for every anything that was different, um, but I never felt like the structures around me fit me. And when I found out about consensual non-monogamy in my late 20s, I finally felt like I found my fit. And I tried to make that fit into my old life, which was my marriage with my daughter's father, and that didn't work. And so then I went about the journey of deconstructing the life that I built around external expectations and instead focusing on understanding who I was and what I needed and building in a life that was in alignment of that truth. And so there was a divorce, there was a move, there was a job switch, and then there was a new partnership with a woman and a new open marriage and a new home and a new career that was aligned with my calling. And, you know, and yay, I did all the work to have like the poly happy ending. Um, except that like most folks, I imagine my story had a lot more twists and turns after the supposed happy ending. Um, my heart was broken and my life, my life was transformed by infidelity. It became clear that we were defining consensual non-monogamy differently. I experienced then what it meant to be dating for the first time again in my 30s. I started cohabitating with a new partner who actually would prefer to be monogamous. There's co-parenting with an ex, and then there's raising a child in the midst of all of this. So I imagine my story arc is the same, like, did it? No, tried it, figured it out, worked it out. And then it, normally the story is like, yay. And I'm like, oh no, there was so much worse after the yay. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, There's a lot. Th- that's, that's a, a lot. that. Thank you uh-huh. for walking through like a high level overview, and <laughs> I'm excited to dig in a little bit. Um, and thank you for acknowledging that like it's a journey, and like you're figuring mm-hmm. it out, and like you get to that, you think you get to that happy ending, and it's like, nope, uh, still more to do here. And, <laughs> yeah. and there is no ending, really. Right? No, there like, is like, right. It's always and and there's constant transitioning that's happening because you're growing, yeah. your relationship is growing, your ideas of what you need and what your partner need. There's just there's a lot of scheduling and conversations. That is what open relationships yeah. feel like they're about. Yeah. 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 Well, I guess maybe if you're okay talking about it, like sure. you came out of a marriage. Mm-hmm. 
And you found yourself in a relationship with another woman. Can like, I, can yeah, I you can interrupt? Of course. <laughs> <laughs> I want to get to your question, but I'm also actually curious. How did you hear, you said you were introduced to polyamory or non-monogamy in your late twenties. Mm-hmm. How did that come about? And when, I guess, how did that, it obviously impacted you a lot. How did it impact you? Yeah, great question. I So I always knew that I was not a fan of monogamy, but didn't realize that there was a name or construct for anything different. So even being in high school, I remember, you know, having boyfriends and still, and, and each time, every single relationship, honestly, from high school on to my, my first marriage, at some point in the relationship, I would say, well, what if? what if like you kissed other people and I kissed other people and like we were okay with that and maybe even we talked to each other about it like what if that would happen and every time frankly I was shocked that the other person be like yeah no I'm not into that because for me that felt so freeing that felt so empowering I think I also had um stereotypes in my mind at that point around kind of the male libido and was thinking, you know, telling my, my male partners, my male identifying partners, like, Hey, you have this freedom to do this thing. That's what I hear that you all want to do. Right. Like now you get it. And everybody was like, said, no, 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 no. And so I always felt a little like a caged bird. Um, I felt like there was more to the experiences that I wanted to have more to the connections that I wanted to have more. And it wasn't just about relationships. I wanted to travel. I wanted to do multiple jobs. I wanted, I just wanted access to experiences. And I remember that when my then husband and I were talking about whether or not we were going to get married, we were together for five years before we got married. We had like a, uh, you know, a crossroads conversation and say, okay, we can decide what we want to do here. And I shared at that moment, I just never want to feel limited. I never want to feel limited. And, um, and we said, okay, that sounds great. Let's do it. And in, and this is where my mistake was mistake. Number one, I'm sure we'll go through several in this conversation. (laughs) I assumed that in that moment where I was like, I don't want to feel limited. And he was like, no, I get that. Me neither. I was like, great. In my mind, I was like, yay, that means we're in an open relationship. We never said open. We never talked about non-monogamy, but in my mind somewhere I logged, that's a thing that's possible. Um, and then several years in when I wanted to like make that real and implement that, it became clear that no, no, that's not at all what he meant. Um, and that's not what he was interested in. And so I think I found out about it probably, I mean, I read opening up and I think that was the first place where I was like, oh, this has words, like this has language, this is a community. And, um, at the time I was meeting, uh, I had a coworker who then turned into my wife. Um, and she and I were, were coworkers and then we were friends and then there was a connection there. And then I started to tell her, you know, I've never been interested in, in monogamy and it, that blew her mind because she had been in relationship after relationship. She was a serial monogamist and, but always, but also serial infidelity. So relationship for two years, cheat, move on relationship, two years, cheat, move on. Right. And she was like, wait, there's a way (laughs) to stay in a relationship and still be in something else. And so in that moment we were like, I see you and I see you. And we're like, okay, we need to make this, this happen. And so those conversations prompted me to have the conversation with my husband at the time and and say, you know, I want to explore this relationship with her, um, my first female relationship. And so that, that was not something that he wanted to do. And so there was a lot of other reasons. I think that that was like the 
the impetus to the conversation, but there was, we had been growing apart. We'd been together for about 11 years. We met in college. So we'd just been growing apart at that point. Um, so that was a long answer to your question. But I think my point is I always knew I was something different, but didn't necessarily have the language to it until I found it in books and in conversation. Yeah. Thank you for the long answer. That's okay. <laughs> it's more in the, okay. Yeah. Um, well, I think it kind of answered somewhat the question I was trying to ask before I was rudely. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry about that. No, it's, it's perfect. Because it, it was, yeah, it was really just around like, that is, you know, kind of the theme of change. Like, that's a big change coming out of, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a heteronormative marriage into mm-hmm. a same-sex relationship and then marriage. Like, those are mm-hmm. big changes on their own. And then you pile on non-monogamy and you pile on all of these discoveries. <laughs> yeah. Ch- children like, yeah. so yeah, that's a, that's a lot happening in a relatively short amount of time. Yeah. And I, I think one of the things that I'm interested in exploring now, um, and I'm wondering if you, if you all are in, you know, explore TikTok, I don't put anything out there, but I, I started going on because my daughter is on TikTok and I wanted to see what she was seeing. And then like many, many folks, I was like, well, what are these other videos? And now I'm, you know, scrolling through every day. Um, but there is this whole, first of all, there's lesbian TikTok. Like that's a thing, right? That's a whole world that you can land in. Then there is the world of like straight women. And I'm using air quotes. You can't see me on the, on the podcast audience folks, but they, I'm using... And there's now a whole like subgenre of straight women being like, I thought I was straight, but then I found lesbian TikTok and now I'm questioning everything. And then there's like another subgenre of that, of like lesbians who are like, hey, women who thought you were straight. Like, let, let me, let me introduce you to this world. And they're like orientations have like, there's just like layer <laughs> upon layer, but I am definitely one of those like late to lesbian folks because my first female relationship wasn't until I was in my thirties. And again, always knew that I was attracted to different types of people and this and that, but that just wasn't language. You know, again, I grew up in a really religious uh, environment. And so there just wasn't the possibility of those things. I knew I felt those things, but manifesting those things, living those things didn't feel possible. And so once I got into that, I was like the straight person in the queer community, right? Or I was like the mono person in the poly community. Like I brought all of my mono heteronormative upbringing culture stuff into like this new environment that I was living in. And it has definitely been a learning curve. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, I, <laughs> I know. All I can think of is like the downfall of society will be lesbian TikTok. I like, know. Right? Be, like, I wasn't worried about this until just now, so I guess I won't, I won't be sleeping the rest of the week. Uh, oh boy! Yeah, what a, go, go down a rabbit hole. What you yeah. call downfall, I call uprising. So right, right, right. I suppose that's as long as we can like make enough kids to like sustain our population, but it'll all be we'll figure that out. That's what that's what science is for. Um, that's a whole other bag, a can of worms. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, yeah. So yeah, you, you got a question. I'll ponder this. <laughs> you're, you're like, hung up on now TikTok. just completely distracted by lesbian TikTok. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I was hoping you could talk about that journey a little bit into sure. a same sex relationship and, and out of your marriage and how, um, how you navigated that. Because especially with a child and with, you said there's a job change in there and stuff. Mm-hmm. How, how did you go about doing that? How did you navigate it? 
Yeah. So I've, uh, I've been able to kind of identify in reflecting back, certainly I didn't feel this way at the time, but in reflecting back, I can kind of, um, experience this change in like three different chapters. And the first one was letting go and releasing myself from external expectations. And so I realized kind of at the, towards the end of my marriage and, and beginning of this new relationship that I had built a life that allowed me to be really successful, but I wasn't happy. I was in the job I was supposed to be in the marriage. I was supposed to be living in the house. I was supposed to be like all the things I played by all the rules. I knew the rules. I played by them and I won. Like I was successful, but then I would look around and be like, is this it? And it doesn't mean by the way, and we, I know, I know you talk about this having listened to the episode any, everyone's version of, of success and thriving and truth is different. And so if monogamy and hetero, hetero relationships and no children or children are the big white, if that works for you and you thrive, amazing, like, please go forth and live that life. And there are some of us, myself included, that that felt beautiful, but it just didn't feel like me. And so the first phase was like, oh, could I be with a woman? What would that be like? Oh, could I not have this job? What would that be like? Oh, could I raise my daughter differently? And, you know, specifically, like many parents, I think I was raising my daughter in order to be successful in the world. And so what that looked like was when she was a little too loud, a little bit too moving, a little bit too much, things like that, I'd be like, calm down, be quiet settle in, right? Show up how you're supposed to show up in these spaces. And I realized over time throughout my journey that my role was not to help her be successful in the world, but help her to know herself deeply so that she could navigate what success looked like and what her place was in the world. Because frankly, the world that I was going to be preparing her for and making her successful in is not the world that she's going to be in. That's not what I am preparing her for will not be what it looks like in 20 years. So her version of success is going to be different than mine. And my job is not to help her be successful, but to help her know herself. And then she will define success. But that took a shift, right? Like I'm sharing this. I can say that in a, in a, in a 15 second sound bite. But that she's 10 now, that's 10 years in the making of being able to get to that, that level of clarity. And so, um, it was hard making the transition to a, a same sex relationship, not for me. Cause it felt like me. I remember after we had been physically intimate and emotionally intimate thinking to myself, why don't people know this? Like, you know, when they separate the boys and the girls during like middle school and they talk about like, you know, erections and periods and whatever they talk about. I felt like in there, they should be like, once the girls were all together, they're like, hey, shh, listen, you should try kissing a girl and see what that feels like. And like, <laughs> just try it. If it doesn't work for you, that's okay. But I was just like, wait a minute. Did people know this? Did people know that like this kind of connection could exist or this, like we should all have a phase where we explore something different, where we explore being hetero curious, where we explore kink, where we explore. And then you can say like a buffet, you can try something and be like, Oh no, I don't like the texture or taste of that at all. Like, no, thank you. But at least you tried it and saw. And so it wasn't, it didn't feel hard for me. It certainly felt hard for my family. <laughs> it felt hard for my parents. It felt hard at some point for my daughter. Like it felt hard for those around me. And so that deconstruction of my life was made more complicated by having to disappoint those around me in saying the person who I constructed that you thought me to be was not really me. That was the person I created to make you happy and make other people happy because I thought that would make me happy. And it doesn't, 
and this is actually me. <laughs> this is who I am. Um, and so I, you know, I could talk about that later on in terms of the, the other phases or chapters and change. But I think that first phase for me was letting go of external expectations. And that meant letting go of either some relationships or letting go, letting people let go of their perception of who I was. Mm-hmm. Which ironically is exactly what you were realizing that you have to do for your daughter, right? Is yeah, to not, because right. basically, right, mm-hmm. our sex education system is conform, conform, conform. And your parents were, hey, this is what we think you should be doing. And you were doing that to your daughter and you kind of broke, you broke the cycle for yourself and then for your daughter. I don't yeah. know. I just, yeah. I think that's true. And for those who, you know, say, and we've done episodes in um, Curious Fox podcast about like, what about the children? You know, and my mom, when I told her about being in an open relationship, she had a lot of concerns. Um, And what was interesting actually is when I told her about being with a woman, there was like all the biblical concerns, right? Like this first, this first, this first. And I had to be like a biblical ninja and like, you know, talk about like, well, what about this? And Jesus said that. When I was like ready for her, when we were going to talk about open relationships, because I was like, oh, there are so many open relationships in the Bible. Like there's, there are like harems, there are multiple wives, like I'm ready for this. And then she was, so, I, so she started sharing with me her concerns. And I was like, is this about the Bible? Because I was about to pull out like my scripture. And she's like, no, 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 this is not the Bible. This is about the children. Like, what about your daughter? What are you going to teach her? And I was like, that she could be in lo- anything love anyone that multiple people could love her like that that's what i'm going to teach her um and so for those who have been concerned about the children my daughter at this moment in time identifies as straight monogamous cis female (laughs) so despite seeing her mom do all the things and explore all the things she is very clear that she wants the husband and the child and the white picket fence for herself in this moment so there's no but she also knows that it's okay exactly if she doesn't yes yeah absolutely that's the the piece it's a yeah it's a choice i think that and it's different i think this is kind of a side note but it's interesting to think about the generational difference too Mm -hmm. because yeah, you're teaching your daughter this, but like, it's not, it's not that our parents' generation or a grandparents' generation, I think there's a, just, it's fascinating to look at that generational gap and the understanding. It's not like those other generations necessarily didn't want different things. They may just not have known or yeah. maybe, or just not even, it's just our society just it wasn't an option, right? It's just like, why Absolutely. would I even be no exposure, no education? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's true. It's not like now there's suddenly lesbian folk and gay folk and trans folk, or suddenly there's poly folk, or suddenly there's people with ADHD, or suddenly like that always existed. We just ignored it or didn't have language for it. People suppressed who they were, how they were feeling, how they were learning, all those things. You know, and Esther Perel talks about how for a previous generation, monogamy meant one person for the rest of your life. And then for the next generation, meant one person at a time. And now it's about, you know, we're thinking about it as it relates to fidelity and integrity versus monogamy. And so every generation is redefining what that looks like. And I think about that in my own household where my parents are divorced. They got divorced after 30 years of marriage. Um, My mom prompted that and felt like she had been in, in a relationship that where she didn't feel like she was her true self and her best self and wanted some more freedom and now has been in a relationship with her partner for 
uh, over 10 years. And she hides that from her mother. Because her mother's definite, her mother was like, you should never have gotten divorced. It's one person for the rest of your life. For my mother, it's one person at a time. So she, you know, left my father and, and now is in this other relationship. But then for me, when I go to her and say, well, actually, it's, you know, not necessarily one for my whole life or one at a time, but it's authentic connections, even if they overlap. And she's like, that's crazy. And so I haven't, I want to at some point, it feels sensitive for her, but I want to at some point parallel what has happening for me and, sh- and her and what's happening between her and her mother and really ask her, is that the relationship that she wants to, if, is that the, uh, the model, the cycle that she wants to continue on? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is hard to see it when it's, it's easy to be frustrated when somebody's doing it to you, but when you're sort of passing it along, it's, it's easy to be blinded by it. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, totally. I was, I was curious, um, when you, and your, I guess, girlfriend, your new partner, mm-hmm. both came to this realization of like, hey, we we both want this. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, okay, how how do we do this? And yeah. then how did it actually go? Because there's like, there's the <laughs> excitement of like, hey, we really want this. And then when you start to like put pen to the pen to paper, mm-hmm. um, it's complicated. Yeah, I'm so glad that you asked that question because I think for folks, particularly new in their journey just realizing that both folks are open to it feels like the win. And it is a win. Like, let's start there, right? Like just having that, like you do what? That's amazing. Like, that's great. And it doesn't end there. So we had that conversation. We're like, we both want to be an open relationship. That's incredible. Like, yay. We move forward. But then there's like, we get married eventually. There's like a few years, probably four years. We've been together almost, almost nine years at this point. There was probably four years of just that NRE building our lives together, building our relationship where we, it, we thought it was so funny that we both wanted to be open our whole lives, but now we weren't seeing anyone but each other. Like we loved each other so much. And it was so amazing that like, we didn't want to be in anything else. And it wasn't until there was infidelity in our relationship that it like the whole can of worms opened up around what, in what open meant for each of us and what that looked like and dissecting our own patterns. And so first I say that, I say that to name, yes, infidelity can exist in open relationships, right? That there is cheating. And that is when you are not in alignment with agreements or there are secrets, there's not conversation around things. But what happened with her was she became first, you know, involved in an, an emotional connection with somebody else. And that grew over time and she didn't say anything. And I can understand this, right? Particularly in the beginning, when you're new to non-monogamy, you're like, ooh, I'm starting to crush on somebody. And you're like, I should tell my partner because I think that's the thing that we do. But then that's going to make them feel uncomfortable. And that's going to make me feel uncomfortable. So it's it's fine. We're just flirting. It's not that big of a deal. And then that flirting starts to talk about like deeper conversations and stuff. And then you start to feel bad. Like, oh, I don't know if I should tell them now because now I really like them. And now there's these things and I really don't want to. And then you're like, oh, shit, I think I'm falling in love with them. You're like, now I absolutely cannot tell this other per- the person I'm with because goddamn, I like, I told, I was supposed to do it in the beginning. And then you're like in this thing, there's two things. And, and that's what happened. She had this pattern of, of finding new relationships every few years and keeping that NRE going in that way and keeping, you know, that, that change going. And so she just replicated that pattern, even though we were together and we were saying that things were going to be different. Um, and she fell in love with somebody else. She fell in love with somebody else and I could tell something was going on. 
um, she was the kind of person that at some point would just leave her phone in places and like wouldn't remember where they were. And she went from that to like carrying her phone around everywhere, like in the bathroom, like to change. And I was like, hmm. Or she would come <laughs> home and like talk about this person and be like, they said the funniest thing. And there's, you know, the, the, and I'm like, hmm. And I would say, I'm like, are you crushing on this person? Like, just tell me. Just, you know, and they're like, she was like, no, 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 it's not happening, not happening. And we were going to get married and we were about a month away from our wedding. And we went out to, we had planned to do a vow date. We were writing our vows together and we were going to go out to dinner to finalize them. But I was consumed that weekend with this idea that she is, she, something is going on that she's not telling me. And so I asked her if I could borrow her phone for a second. I was like, oh, I want to check what the weather is to see, you know, what I should wear today. And I went into her text messages where most, where most cheating is revealed, right? I went into her text messages and actually there was nothing weird about them. I looked through the exchange, everything felt normal. But as I was looking through the text messages, a message came in about like, oh, our kitchen could look like this and we could paint these colors. And I realized there was an intimate exchange happening and she was deleting the texts because the text that came in had no context. And so I was like, Oh, there's been a whole conversation happening. And I, and so we're in the car now on the way to write our vows for our wedding. And I say to her, so I feel like you are cheating on me. And one of two things are true. Either you are, and we need to talk about that or you're not. And we need to talk about the fact that I'm feeling paranoia and like how to address that. And my wife who is in wonderfully insightful and like a real amazing people person leverage that to be like, tell me more, tell me more about how you're feeling. Like, tell me more about, and it was like an hour of, yeah, I it was like an hour of her being like, no, tell me how you feel. And I, and I, and I was getting so frustrated because I was like, don't do that. Like I'm asking you a specific question. And then at some point, so at this point we're at the, we're at the restaurant, the like hostess is waiting to see, to like seat us. And I say to her, I just need you to tell me what is happening. Cause it feels like you're gaslighting me. And she looks at me and says, I've fallen in love. And of course, then the hostess comes out and says, like, your table's ready. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and so we sit down and I, I start to say, immediately I go into, my first reaction was, okay, well, we're going to have to call the restaurant and we're going to have to cancel this and that. And you'll call your parents. I'll call my parents and we'll like figure out. And immediately I'm just like, all right, we're clearly not getting married. Like let's, now we have to figure out how to deal with that. Like I just went straight into implementation mode. And she was like, wait, 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 like, no, 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 no. Like, I love you. I want to get married to you. Like, no, 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 come on. We can. And I was like, okay, if we have any chance of this working, you have to tell me everything because my future, I understand is undecided and unclear. And my present, I know I'm creating the moment, but my past is supposed to feel secure. I'm supposed to have understood what happened in my past. And I have no idea now what happened in the past. And that makes me feel really unsettled. So you need to tell me everything, like start from the beginning. Um, and that was also, you know, an early on non-monogamy mistake where you're like, tell me all the things. And then you just feel terrible when you hear all the things. And then over time you learn like what things to hear and what things to ask for and what things not to. But in the beginning, you're like, either like, I'm so excited. Tell me every detail of your date. And you're like, Oh wait, you played with her hair. Like you played with my hair. Huh? Hmm. Oh, you guys went to see the movie that you and I said we were going to see? Huh. Hmm. Okay. 
that's great. Right. So there's like that, <laughs> that happens. Um, but then there's just like the images that stay in your head. Like there's all these things that, that, that stick with you that you're like, Oh, yeah. I should not have asked for that. I shouldn't have asked you to tell me that. Yeah. So let me pause there. Cause I'm, I'm, I'm staring so many things. I'm seeing you all laughing. I want to make sure that I'm answering your questions. <laughs> no, I, 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 you can keep going. I just, I think we can relate to that. Like, um, yeah, I want to know. And then, and then you hear it and you're like, oh, I guess I didn't really want to know. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe yeah. I want to know a little bit less next time, but you figure yeah. out what I want to know. Right. <laughs> yeah, like it's not my responsibility what I want to know. You got to figure that out. What figure out what to tell me, what level to tell me. So mm-hmm. yeah, we're, we can relate to that too. And, um, it's, I, it's cause the, like you, you're, your comment about like the default at the beginning is like, tell me everything. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, totally. And then it's a, it's a, it's a na- you have to navigate that and figure out everybody's different too. Everybody wants yeah. to like, once you learn what feels good and what doesn't feel good, everyone's different about what level of detail and yeah. it all comes back to that communication piece. Yeah. And yeah. I, I like the, you know, what's interesting to me about this. I mean, there's a lot of things, but particularly that your wife had this cycle of, Mm-hmm. relationship for two years, cheat, break up, start again, and just uh, on loop. And you broke that cycle with her as well. Like she, at at this point, she came and said like, no, no, this is different. Like, I'm not, I'm not giving up what mm-hmm. we have because of this new one. How, how do we do this? Yeah. And then you had to be like, well, I've seen this pattern I knew this pattern existed in you. Now I have to fight against it. And like, that's a lot of work yeah. to, to, to do that. A hundred percent true. And I think it, it was hard. I mean, certainly it was hard for both of us. I think we were probably in the recovery phase of that for about two years, um, two years of, of uh, relationship coaching, two years of webinars and books and lots of conversation, two years of tons of negotiation and agreements and breaking those agreements and rewriting those agreements. Because for me, I was like, all right, well, now that I know about this, right, in a monogamous relationship, there's there's an affair that's discovered. And then the person who has cheated has to sever that relationship, right? Because you're like, in order to rebuild the relationship with their partner, they have to sever that other one. But this is now non-monogamy. So while I was like, that's crazy that happened. I think you two shouldn't see each other anymore because you need to now focus on us. She was like, yeah, but you know, I love her. We're not monogamous. So I'm actually not going to stop seeing her. And then I had to figure out well, what does that mean and what does that look like? And so in the beginning, it was really, it was like, okay, well, I would like you to take a pause from that relationship so that, you know, and seeing each other so that we can, we can have more conversations. We can do some more building. And then it was like, all right, you can hang out, you know, once a month, twice a month, come back at midnight, you know, come back at two, like there was all, and now she is wildly autonomous. My wife like wants to just like be free in the world. And so I know that that level of constriction was hard for her. And, you know, I referenced myself before as a caged bird. I didn't want to be restricting anybody. I didn't want to be putting rules. And I was horrified 
and heartbroken that I felt so badly. The person I wanted to be was like, what? You love her? Oh my God. Tell me everything. Like, that's incredible. We should all go like on a date together. What? That's inc-. And that's not how I felt at all. I felt territorial. I felt jealous. I felt angry. I felt resentful. I felt like lots of things. I had felt like, you know, at that point in our relationship, we were four years in my libido stayed high. Hers didn't. And so the fact that she was like, you know, sexually interested in someone else, I was like, what? Like, where's that energy for me? I wanted to go on like rooftop bars and have cocktails and do walks in Central Park. But that's not what our life looked like, right? We were doing laundry and we were talking about mortgage payments and things. But now suddenly she's going to rooftop bars with this person. And she, and I'm like, oh, you have the energy for that now? And so it revealed to me, much like jealousy does, the things that it wasn't that I wanted that from her, though that was true at the time. It was that I wanted more of that in my life. And so over time I could get to see that and be like, okay, not all of the things that I need need to come from you. I can get that from myself. I can get that from friendships. I can get that from other relationships. And so it, it was a revealing process, but it took, I'm, I'm share that to say it took two years. I think one of the biggest things that came out of that though, was in some, you know, midnight search after some argument with her, I was Googling like non-relationship, I mean, uh, non-monogamy relationship coaching. And I came upon Effie Blue. Um, who's the founder of Curious Fox. And so we started to do sessions with with Effie and that really helped rebuild our relationship. And now, you know, several years later, I am the COO of Curious Fox and the co-host of the Curious Fox podcast. And so that moment of infidelity and that experience that happened really did change the course of my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Um, That's amazing. So I had two questions. Um, sure. I don't know which order to ask them in. The first, I guess, is if if your partner, rather than the infidelity, had come to you up front mm-hmm. and said, hey, I'm starting to have feelings for this person, and she had done it, quote unquote, the right way, the, mm-hmm. the ethical way, the consensual way, do you feel, and I know this is an impossible question, do you feel like you would have gotten to that place of, I'm excited for you. I want to go on dates with you. I want you to be free. All of the things you said you wanted, but instead you felt territorial Mm -hmm. and jealous and a little bit pissed off. Like, do you Mm -hmm. think if, do you think it was the infidelity that caused that or just because this was the first time you've ever been confronted with your partner Mm -hmm. actually wanting the things that you said you wanted, but now you see what it actually feels like in real life? Yeah. No, I think it's a, it's a fantastic question. If you would have asked me that question a year ago, I would have said it was because she didn't do it the right way. That I think if she would have done it the right way, you know, I would have been fine. Um, Now I'm in, so let me cut, I'll cut to the future, you know, to Mm -hmm. my present and then kind of go back. Right now I am in two partnerships, so I'm still married to my wife. We have a home together. That's where my daughter and I are on the weeks that my daughter's with her. I co- um, co co-parent with her father. And so my daughter switches on and off in our homes every week. And then on the weeks that I don't have my daughter, I live somewhere else. I live in another home with my other partner. And she and I have been together for a little over two years. And at some point in the midst of COVID, which of course I thought was crazy, she was like on the OkCupid apps and like met somebody and started to build a connection and did all the right things. Was like, hey, I'm going to be an OkCupid. And hey, like I met someone, we're starting to flirt. And hey, I want to, you know, go on a date with this person. or I want to, you know, have a Zoom call with them. And And I was like, this feels terrible. 
I don't want you to do any of those things. And so I realized I was like, oh, it wasn't just that. Like I was using the infidelity. The infidelity was terrible and horrible. That's true. But in my mind, I was like, oh, if she'd only done it the right way, then I would have been the ideal poly partner. I would have like, you know, bought their dinner and I would have listened attentively after each of their dates. Like I would have been so lovely. And I was not lovely. I was terrible. Like I was hard. I, I did not, I was not a fan of my partner dating. And that was really helpful because I was like, oh, there's stuff there for me. There's like attachment stuff there. There's insecurity there. There is still like mono, uh, um, like language and narrative and stories in my mind. Like there's a lot of stuff that I have to dig through and heal that has nothing to do with the infidelity. And so, yeah, I think it would have been hard anyway. (laughs) It's the short answer. I think that no matter, even if she did the right way, knowing now how I showed up, I think it would have been really hard. Yeah. And, and maybe that sort of leads into the, the other kind of question that came up on that, which is like, you like you were like i want to go to rooftop bars and i want to go mm-hmm. do xyz activity and she apparently wanted to do those too but not with you or wasn't doing them with you and now mm-hmm. i guess the question is like let's say you and a partner both mm-hmm. say you want to do these activities you're not doing them together but now you're doing them with separate people mm-hmm. just how do you reconcile that because that's mm-hmm. a really interesting like I've, I've always wanted to play tennis and, and mm-hmm. I was like, I've always wanted to play tennis too. And now she's got a tennis partner and I've got a tennis partner and we're off playing tennis with other people. Mm-hmm. Like that seems backwards, mm-hmm. but like that can be a thing that happens. Yeah, no, absolutely true. And I, I think, so a few, a few things come to mind. One is realizing too, that people will evolve. So in the beginning of a relationship, when I would say some, to someone, you know, I have a, a high sex drive. They'd be like, me too. And I'm like, I want to go on dates and be romantic. And they're like, me too. And then like after the two year mark, right? When that new relationship energy dies down and they're like, all right. Like, and they, they, they're settling in and they want to stay home and don't want to have sex as much and things like that. And I, my, my NRE is like constant. Like I'm, I, I, I imagine and I hear from other folks that at some point that phase is for me, I'm always like, I always want to keep doing things and hanging out and making out. And, and so understanding that the needs of folks will shift and change that just because you may be in alignment right now, doesn't mean that you always will be in alignment. And just because you may not be in alignment right now, doesn't mean that you won't ever be in alignment. So that was really helpful. And and let me, let me say, she did not ever want to go to rooftop bars. Her partner did at the time and she was in new relationship energy and was like, sure, let's do that. So (laughs) I think left to her own devices. Yeah. My wife would never be at any bar ever. Um, But she was willing to make accommodations because of the beginnings of that relationship. Um, But I do think to your point, uh, yeah, I, I want, I'm thinking about that for myself. Are there situations where we want things, the same thing, but want it with different people. I think that actually is the case. I think that when she, um, she's no longer in that partnership, but she was in that relationship for about four years when there would be times where we'd both be in bed with each other, my wife and I, and she would be texting her partner and I would be texting mine. And we probably were both like, I miss you. And I'm thinking about you and this, and we were content in being with each other. Like she and I were happy to be in that space with each other, but we're also longing for thinking about that other person and there were moments where that could feel uncomfortable, particularly if it was only one or the other in that space. But when we were both in that space, that also felt okay. 
that even though we weren't in longing and lust for each other in that moment, and we were experiencing longing and lust, but for someone else, the fact that somehow we could still do that together, even if it was for somebody else, that still felt bonding. Um, yeah. So that's the example that I can think about. We don't know what that's like at all. I was going to say, which is, <laughs> which is just such a bizarre thing. And I Like what you just described, I was like, oh my gosh, that's exactly <laughs> what we picked. Which, by the way, is very new for us. It um, is. We haven't talked about it much, but this mm-hmm. is something we've been experiencing the last six, seven months or so. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of new experiences that we're like, what? What yeah. the fuck are we doing? Uh-huh. <laughs> yes. And in a great way. Yeah. But, but also like, what just happened? What just happened. And yeah. So. And like you to your point, like it's it's interest like most people looking in on that, like you two in your bed, mm-hmm. texting other people, longing for other people, but yet mm-hmm. content and happy mm-hmm. in your relationship and wanting to be there and feeling mm-hmm. bonded with each other. Yeah. just like blows other people's minds because it blows my own mind, but yeah. then I've done it and yeah. it makes sense. And so it's so hard to describe mm-hmm. to other people like this is no, this, this works. And for other people, it doesn't work. And so it's mm-hmm. just, everyone is your own person, but yeah, whew, yeah, yeah. that's the, that's thanks for sharing that example. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it takes, let me just say it, and it takes synergy too. And, and, um, you know, Effie, my, my colleague will has a, a million great sayings. And one of which is it's about synergy and not symmetry. Mm-hmm. And so it's not about the pe- each person doing the same thing, but they're feeling like there's synergy, like everyone's getting their needs met. And so when you do feel like you're getting your needs met, either you're do- meeting those needs yourself or with platonic relationships or romantic partnerships, you there is more of an openness to accept the things that your partner needs. When you are in want and in longing, when you feel like your tank is not full, that is when you become resentful. That's when you you paying more attention to what's happening on the other side, when you're thinking about what's lacking. And so it's not all the time where we're both like full and in alignment, but in the times when it happens, it's much more now. I would say that's generally our state of being now versus, you know, a few years ago. Um, but when it happens, it does, it feels like bizarre and like lovely. And we would talk about that too. We'd be like, this is so weird. <laughs> we're like laying next to each other. Like, this is so strange. Are you okay? I'm okay. Are you okay? Yeah. 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 Yep. And then you get done and you're like, well, you want to watch some Netflix? And then exactly. it's like. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> so <laughs> we've talked about some incredible things. I was. Mm-hmm. So how. So you're now three houses, two partners. Yeah. A kid yeah. and I, uh, 12 Gisa Lane. Uh, <laughs> exactly. However, the song goes. Four jobs, right? Four jobs, actually. Four jobs, three houses, two partners, a kid. And yeah. There yeah, you go. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I maybe like, do you mind talking a little more about like sure. what it looks like? And then mm-hmm. I want to also talk about th- you've, you've mentioned polyfidelitis a few times. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. We know what that means, but maybe like, what does that mean to you? Mm-hmm. And what does that mean in general um, would be really helpful. Yeah, yes. I'm going to get interrupted. No, yeah, I want to get to that point. But like, as you talk, I, I'm also curious. Like most people, like you just said four, three, two, like whatever. Mm-hmm. How how do you balance that? Yeah, it's a great. Yeah, there is no right. So I don't know how about balance. I think it's us. again. I think right. about synergy. Right, <laughs> scheduling. <laughs> That's really the Google Calendar is my life. Um, everything is about scheduling. I think I have come to terms with the fact that. I want, I am drawn to and want complexity. 
I want lots of things. I want to be engaged in lots of things. And so I've designed my life around that. And I know that there are things that then I give up as a result of that, right? Like I will, I could work till eight o'clock at night and then I'll jump into bed with my partner and we'll like, you know, watch Netflix and stuff, but I'm going to work until eight o'clock at night because I enjoy, I really love it. Like I love the thing. I, that's the thing about once I finally aligned my career and my passions with my truth, I was like, I want to be doing those things all the time. And so in my consultant work, I do organizational development and change strategy and change management for social justice organizations. So philanthropic organizations and nonprofits that are doing social justice work. And so I'm excited and passionate about that. And then I have clients and do one-on-one sessions with folks who are interested in change in their life and how to navigate through that. And I love those conversations. And then I founded an organization called crafting your path that is focuses on women who have lived up to the expectations that were set for them their entire lives and realize those expectations don't fit them anymore and want to be in community to make a shift because oftentimes we don't change things because we feel like we're going to be alone. We're going to feel like we're going to be ostracized. We don't have models for those things. And so if you are surrounded by community of folks who have made the leap and have survived it, you're much more likely to be able to make that transition. And so I have that foundation that I worked on. And then there's Curious Fox and the work that I do there. And all those things matter to me. And like all those things are reflective of different parts of who I am. And so it takes negotiation. It takes time management. It takes healthy boundaries for myself because I want to make sure that I'm not giving all of myself away. But that is really reminiscent of what shows up in my relationships. And so I have my time with my partner here in our apartment in in Brooklyn, New York, and we spend particular days together. And then on those other days that I'm not with her, I'm with my wife and I'm with my daughter. And when I'm with my daughter, my daughter is very clear. She's like, I don't care how many people you're seeing. I don't care how many jobs, how many houses. I don't care. I want to feel like I have time with you. I want to feel important. I want to feel prioritized. I want to play with you. I want to tickle. I want to run around. And so I carve out like specific mom time. This is the time that I'm fully present to be engaged with her. And then at some point, actually, I was just there at at my house when my daughter was there. And and my wife came to me and said, so when you're with your partner, you're just with your partner. When you're with, when you're here, you're really with your daughter. Like, when are you and I going to hang out? And so I had to readjust the calendar and do some days at the house with my wife when my daughter wasn't there, which meant less time with my partner here. So there's just a lot of negotiation and a lot of like reconfiguring to create synergy. And there's awkward conversations that happen. There's disappointment that happens. There's guilt that happens. I know people would like more of me, more of my time, more of my energy. I sometimes want more of my time. I want more of my energy. I'm mindful of the fact that both my partners have time alone. They like live by themselves for many days in a week. That feels, that blows my mind. I'm always living with somebody with more than one person. Like I, I would love, I want to live a life where somehow, I don't know how I'm going to do that because there's not enough days, but I want to live a life where, oh, actually, let me, I'm going to pause and give you a quick example of when that was possible. If you, if you'll indulge me. Yes. Yes. Okay. So beginning of COVID, it's like the first, it's like March, March, April of COVID, New York city, the world's crumbling, the walls, everything's falling apart. No one knows what's going to happen. We thought it was going to be like over in a few weeks, right? Like we didn't know Mm -hmm. at the time I was just like, what? Canceling school for a month. That seems wild. Like, I can't believe they're taking it that seriously. Now we're like a year later and still, you know, not. So anyway, we decide that we are all going to quarantine together. So, so when I reference having multiple homes, you know, I want to let, let the folks know out there, and this is my own sense of like, uh, guilt around privilege. 
I inherited those things. So my wife is uh, 14 years my senior, um, has done really well in, in her life and like owned a home by the beach and owned a home in Brooklyn before we were together. And so those are my spaces because of her. But I'm very clear and know that like I feel grateful for access to those spaces, but I did not earn those spaces. Um, so we all decided my partner, my wife and my daughter were all going to quarantine together for three weeks because we thought we were going to ride this thing out. We had never done that before. We had let her, we probably like never even like all had dinner together. But now we were going to live together for three weeks. And so <laughs> one week, so a few days in, and so there's, we have a guest bedroom that my partner was in. There's a bedroom with my, my, me and my wife, and then my daughter's in her own room. And I'm sleeping with every night in my bedroom, my bedroom with my wife. So at some point, a few days in, my partner's like, so like, are we ever going to sleep together? Like, how, are we going to spend time? And I was like, oh, that's, you want to do that? Oh yeah. I, yeah. That, that's true. Oh, like it, it, like I, I was so clearly unprepared for that situation. And I, then it felt like very like the bachelor, like someone was going to get a rose, like, who shall I spend the, the night with tonight? Will it be you or will it be you? And like, and that felt really uncomfortable. And so then I remember having a conversation. And so I tried that a little bit. I was like, all right, on these days, it's going to be you on these days, it's going to be you. But then I was like, but what if I'm not feeling it that day? Like, what if I'm not feeling you that day? And it, I just, I felt like caged again. So I was having a conversation with my therapist. I was like, I don't know what to do. And I said, and I feel, frankly, I feel smothered because now there's these three people in my life who are all, they're all here because of me. That's my wife. That's my partner. That's my daughter. I am the common denominator. Now everybody wants access to me. I'm exhausted. And in that conversation, I realized that there were seven days in a week. And so I was going to spend two days, two nights with my partner, two nights with my wife and three nights in a bedroom all by myself. And that, that, the fact, and that came out in that conversation. I was like, wait, that's possible. That's a thing. Like I could sleep on myself. And so that, that lesson is something that I try to carry in into your question around how do I manage it all? I try to schedule everything. I realize that there's going to be disappointment and I try not to lose myself in the process. Right. Disappointment on maybe your partner or your wife's side, like, well, they could have another night each, right? You could right. do three, three, one, mm -hmm. but you're like, no, no. I'm going two, two, three, and that's the way it is. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of negotiation is, that happens around that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. For yeah, sure. Yeah, it's not just. For sure. <laughs> not, no, you're 100% yeah, right. You're 100% right. And even now, I mean, my my partner is clear, the, my girlfriend who I live with, she would want to get married. Honestly, she would want to be monogamous. If like, given all the, I think I brought in, so there's a distinction between like legacy relationships. Like a legacy relationship is something that you brought into the relationship and like a new relationship. And so she knew when she signed up for me that she signed up for someone who had a wife and a daughter. And so like, I think in her mind, she's accepted that, but understands that means that if she wants to be with me in the way she wants to be with me, it means that she won't get married because I'm already married. And so we've had like commitment ceremony and we've done other things, but she's still like, but I'm, but we're not married. Like that's, that's something I have to give up to be with you. And, um, you know, my daughter feels heartbroken that her and my, her father and, and I are not together because it means she has to go back and forth and she doesn't get all of us in one time. And so, so there, my point is I've had to become comfortable with people being disappointed by my decisions and by me, like finding my truth. I wrote a blog post for Curious Fox. It's on the website called, I'm sorry that my truth has caused you pain. Mm -hmm. And it really, and it walks kind of people through what is, what happens when you come out as, you know, as queer, as non-monogamous, as, you know, you get a divorce and, and that truth that's in alignment with who you are 
causes other people pain? Like, how do you both navigate through that? And there's no easy answer. You just slowly. <laughs> so. Right. Well, and that, and that one's really hard, right? Because for your partner, like, that's a choice she's making to be with you despite knowing that marriage isn't going to happen. On your daughter's side, right? She doesn't have a choice, right? Like, mm-hmm. you, yes. you've said, like, this is the situation. I'm sorry, but this is the way it is. So it's it's related, but I think also like there's a, a pretty big distinction there. Yeah, it's completely well. true. And even in that conversation with my daughter, I mean, she's asked me why, why not? And I think, you know, there are times where in the beginning, because everything you want to share out certainly is age appropriate. We'd say, well, dad and I, you know, love each other, but you know, it was hard to live with each other or we wanted different things. And at some point I said to her, for me to be the mom that you know, and the mom that like has this energy and this love and this light, I needed to live differently than that. Your da- and you're, for your dad to show up how he is and how you know him and how he, he needed to live differently. And so we, li- we live in the same neighborhood. We walk to each other's houses. Like we're really good friends. We just couldn't be married anymore. And ironically, about a year ago, he came to me and was like, so this open relationship thing that you were telling me about. (laughs) I'm interested in exploring that with my girlfriend. Can you, and then I started to give him like coaching and tipping and tip advice around non-monogamy. So that was like hilarious many, many years later. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Yeah. Come around full circle. I love that too. I also had this funny thought when you were describing the sleeping situation that, that, your your wife and your partner were both like, well, fine. On those three nights, we're sleeping together. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah, that'd be hilarious. Actually, no. My daughter was like, so I'm not in. You're not. We're not having sleepover in my room. Like, when when are my days? And I was like, oh god. <laughs> yeah. Which which maybe is a question that I had uh, along the way when you were describing like the the jobs and the houses and the time management and everything. Mm-hmm. I imagine there were some people listening that were thinking like that is just too much. Like why? Yes. Mm-hmm. Why? Just why? Like, why do you yeah. feel like you have to do all of these things? And mm-hmm. I want to be clear that I'm not asking that on behalf yeah. of me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's a good question. I mean, and I don't, right. That that's the thing is, is if for folks who I, you know, certainly have lots of friends who, respect the way that I live my life and have great love and affection for me and think to myself, that sounds exhausting. Like I am not interested in dealing with jealousy or I'm not interested in that level of negotiation or I'm not interested in managing that many things or I'm not. And then, so don't like, that sounds great. It sounds like you, you need to find the fit that's, that is a different kind of pace with a different level of responsibility, different number of connections. You should absolutely do that thing. And for me right now in this moment, this is what feels right. And I don't commit to this being how I feel in 10 years. I may be exhausted in 10 years and need to drop some things. I may need to like, who knows what I will evolve to. Um, And I know that the way that I exist and live is exhausting and is not for everybody. (laughs) Um, And I think that what's important for me though, and, and, you know, my work with Curious Fox, my work as, as a coach and a consultant is to show people options and possibility just to say, this is a thing that's possible. And you can, again, like a buffet, that's to me, that's a perfect example. You can look at it and be like, "Uh, no, I'm good. Actually I'm full, not interested, whatever. But I just want you to know that that thing exists and is possible because for so many of us growing up did not know something existed and just felt alienated, felt different and felt um, alone and lonely in that difference. 
And so just to know that things are possible and that you have the autonomy to say yes and no to things, I think is incredibly empowering. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. hundred um, percent. Well, I think it, it maybe it, it builds into the question of the poly fidelity. Oh, yes, that's right. That's right. That's right. Let me go back to that. Back up yes. That thank, you, thank you. Uh-huh. Yeah. I apologize. Went on tangents. Okay. No, so follow- no, you're good. we also asked you like 10 questions. <laughs> once, so it's okay. <laughs> so poly fidelity generally defined as being in multiple relationships, but having fidelity, either emotional or sexual fidelity to those multiple partners. And so you're in more than one relationship. So that means that you are non-monogamous. However, you are, um, have agreed to limit yourself either emotionally or physically to those relationships. And so at the moment I am only with my wife and my partner, um, both emotionally and physically. And that's not necessarily the life I would have chosen, um, because I still want multiple connections. I still would love to just like travel and make out with somebody in in the mid, you know, in Spain. And I would love to, you know, flirt with a cute person and have like sex exchanges with them via text. Like I would, I, I do still want that. And right now for me, number one, I know that that would cause some tension in my relationship with my partner. And number two, I just am too busy and too tired (laughs) to maintain all of that. And so at some point, maybe that'll become a thing where like, then I'll have to have that conversation with my partner and and make some room for those types of connections. I don't think that I can maintain another partnership. I think Mm -hmm. that I may be interested in like some like, you know, again, flirty, casual connection. Um, I just miss making out. Honestly, that's really, if I could just make out with some folks, like, so much of the world's problems could be solved. Um, <laughs> but that's so, so poly, poly fidelity for me means that, that I, I have uh, fidelity to sexual and emotional fidelity to these folks. It does not mean that I don't necessarily flirt with other people or chat with other people. That all still happens. Like there, I have a bunch of like flirty friends, um, which my partners know of and we talk about, but I'm not going to explore anything that has any, that's like serious or like relationshipy with somebody else. Right. And so also along those lines, does that for you, and again, I think this is where like for everybody, maybe it means something different. Are your other partners, your wife and your partner, are they both then closed as well? Or do Mm -hmm. they have the autonomy to say like, I would like another partner and I'm going to seek that out? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, yeah, great question as well. My wife was in a partnership, um, with the, with the woman who I mentioned and they were together about four years, um, and has not been in the moment interested in exploring anything else. I think also feels like really dedicated to her work and and the life and, and just feels exhausted by the possibility of like engaging in something else. And she, she's like me is doesn't seek things out necessarily. I think I was seeking things out when she was in another relationship. Um, I would just prefer like organic connection. I meet someone, there's a spark and something happens. I wasn't like on apps and things like that. But then when she was on dates every night and I was just home by myself, I was like, I'm going to get on an app. Like I gotta, I gotta figure out something. (laughs) And so I did that. And so that's how, you know, I met my partner now, but, um, so she's not interested in the moment that may change for her. My partner who I live with, who have the apartment with, Um, she did explore last year, um, some other relationships and some casual and, you know, non-casual relationships. And that was hard for both of us because I am considering myself fidelitous to her emotionally and physically. So I have this legacy relationship, right? I have this relationship with my wife, but we are, we almost function more like best friends, 
who like cohabitate and like create this life together. But it doesn't feel like the same type of romantic relationship that I have with my partner. And so I almost felt more comfortable if she had a like, if she brought somebody in already that I like knew that was a thing that preceded me, that's one thing. But then something new coming about, like, you know, you get some feelings, like some feelings bubble up, like what needs aren't I meeting? And like, you know, all that stuff, all that narrative. And so at that point, it's like, oh, can I do that too then? Is that what we're doing? Are we like, and she's like, no, 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 you already have someone. And I was like, no, but that's not the same kind of someone. Like you're like, you have new relationship energy. I'm, we're talking about like mortgages and tax payments. Like that's not the same at all. Those aren't the same things. And so um, technically, yes. I mean, there is absolutely the autonomy and the freedom for both of them. And I think it would take conversation and it would take, what does that mean? And what does that look like? So um, it feels closed for the moment because I think that's what works for everybody. But I don't know if that will stay true forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, thank you for explaining that. And I think, yeah. I think it's one of those where it's like, oh, explain this word, polyfidelitis. <laughs> and then right five or 10 minutes later, you're like explaining the nuances of how it works. And yeah. I, I think yeah. that's something that people like when you start piling on multiple relationships, mm-hmm. like there's no like, oh, this is just how it works. It, right. it just, it's just not a thing. So, yeah. 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 Well, I think because words help get us on the same page. Mm-hmm. but they don't necessarily take us to the right paragraph or line like that yeah. requires some more details. Right. So words help us like be like, Oh, I know generally what you're talking about, but if you're meeting someone new, if you're on a date, if you're building a relationship and someone says, Oh, I'm non-hierarchical or I, I practice uh, relationship anarchy or mm-hmm. I'm polyfidelitous. I'm that's great. Cause you're like, Oh, I have a general sense. And the next question, tell me more about that. What does that mean for you? Because everyone's definition of that and practice of that, of every one of those things looks different. And that's actually the beauty of it. Like that's what makes things complicated, right? Um, Is that when you enter into either um, homosexuality or non-monogamy, like it just means like anything is open. Like you get to write your own rules. Again, I'll quote my colleague Effie Blue who says, you know, it's about relationship by design versus default. The default Mm -hmm. is easy get on the, you know, you get on the staircase, you get on the escalator and you just, you move, you know what the next steps are. Design takes effort. Design takes conversation. And so it just means that it means you can't, to your point, you you can't just assume that the word means the same thing to everybody. Yeah, Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Well, I I think that like one, one thought I did have was um, again, sort of this like full circle thing that has happened a few times in your story is like, you are saying that one of the things you've had to become comfortable with is disappointing other people in some sense of the word, like Mm -hmm. the way who you are being your true self um, maybe results in some disappointment or a letdown. And it sounds like you have also absorbed some of that as well, that you, Mm -hmm. like you said, this isn't necessarily exactly how I would have designed it. I might want to go out and meet other people and make out with people, or maybe I wanted to go on some dates, but my partner said no. And so like, it's, I just maybe wanted to point out that like, you're not just constantly taking and making other people bend around you. Mm -hmm. You are also spending time in your life bending and sacrificing and gaining. Like it's a constant dance Mm -hmm. that you're not just constantly taking whatever you want and everybody else has to just deal with whatever Jacqueline wants. Yeah. Yeah, that's completely true. And I re- as you're saying that, I, I realized, you know, I shared out that upon reflection, there was these three important chapters that related to my change. And I only talked about the first one. So the first one was 
um, letting go of the external expectations that had crafted my life up until that point. And that's when, and I did that, right? And then I got married and had the new job and like, yay. But then that fell apart, right? Like I didn't share this part of the story. I told some, some hard truths to the CEO I was working for and got let go from that job. And that was, and, and that happened within two months of me finding out about the infidelity and me getting married. Like all that stuff happened around the same time. And I found that, you know, two months earlier, I was, I was leading a team with million dollar budgets and like all these things. And then I find myself just in my pajamas, eating Chinese food on the floor, like crying all the time because all the pillars of my life that I had built, like I had gone through the deconstruction phase. I figured out who I was and what I wanted and I rebuilt the life. And then that life was like in rubbles in front of me. And I didn't make sense to me. And I realized now upon reflection that the second important chapter in my life was dealing with the much more insidious character, which was my internal doubt and fear that that was still plaguing. I had like rebuilt my life so that it wasn't around other people's expectations, but I carried into this new world, all of my doubts, all of my fears, all of my insecurities. And when all of those things were realized, yeah, your partner cheated on you. Yep your job lets you go. Yeah. At that point I was having challenges with my daughter and like really seeing eye to eye, like all the pillars of your life, mother, wife, professional gone. I realized that like, okay, now I'm at rock bottom. (laughs) Now is the opportunity to to figure out who I want to be and what does that look like? And then went through that rebuilding process. And the third phase to what you're talking about then is the, once I figured out who I was and what I wanted, how do I share that out with the world? And we do a terrible job. We're all terrible at writing resumes. We're terrible at like LinkedIn bios. We're terrible at like Instagram bios. Like naming who we are in like some succinct way to share with other people is hard. Like our dating profiles, we don't know what to write. It's not easy to like capture who you are and the essence of that to explain to other people. And that's the work that I've been trying to do for myself and support others in. Um, But to your point, knowing that that also means just because this is who I am and how I want to show up in the world, it doesn't now mean that everyone is going to revolve around me. (laughs) I am not the only character in the story. It means that I'm going to introduce who I am. We're going to figure out who you are and we're going to decide there's you, me, and the relationship. Those are three different things. And so I'm going to be who I am. You're going to be who you are. And then we're going to figure out what does that look like in relationship with each other? And that we get to co-create. And that's where we both have to give up some things and we're both going to get some things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that relationship, you're using that in the sense of like, it could be anything. It could be a friendship. It could uh-huh. be your relationship with your daughter. It Absolutely. could be your relationship with your, you know, f- your ex-husband or wh- whoever and whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I was curious, you know, if this is kind of an impossible question, but you've described three chapters. Do you have any sense or uh, desire of where you want your future mm-hmm. to go? Mm-hmm. Um and did I miss the third chapter? I'm sorry. Yeah, no. So sharing the, it out. Yeah, sharing exactly. Out. Sharing out like who I am, introducing myself, reintroducing myself, I should say, to the world. Because they thought you. they knew who I was. <laughs> right, right, right. And okay. now it's saying, like, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. My apologies. So what, fourth that. chapter, next step. Um, I don't know. I got to tell you, the reintroduction, the reintroduction part feels like a long time. So I think that's... Um, <laughs> 
I don't know. I think that it's just, it's like the main, maybe the maintenance piece, like allowing myself to evolve. I think that part of the struggle also is when you reintroduce yourself, you're like, okay, everyone, now this is who I am. Now we're on the same page. That's great. And then like five years later, you feel different. And then five years later, you feel different and five years later. So I think at that point, it's just about getting comfortable with letting go of pieces of yourself and kind of mourning the loss potentially of those things and being excited about the new pieces. I think at some point, you know, what is super, monogamous um, is this thing of like, we're going to be together forever. You're going to be my person forever. And I say that still all the time, right? My partner will look at each other in, in bed and look and roll over and be like, oh, I can't wait to grow old with you and just like have this life with you forever. And there's also a piece of me that knows maybe that won't happen. Mm-hmm. Maybe something will change and our dynamic will change and we'll become really good friends or something. Like, who knows? Maybe we will get married. Like, I don't know what's going to happen. And I'm just trying to keep myself open to that to not being like, whoo, I made it. I'm here. And just realize that there is no here, that here is like ever evolving. Yeah. I love that. I was going to say that's kind of like, maybe there isn't a a fourth phase. Maybe you just start back at phase whatever two. Yeah. (laughs) Probably phase two and you just go phase two, phase three, phase two, phase three. (laughs) Or maybe there's phase five, four, five, six, seven, eight. Yeah, yeah, it's true. 100%. You're both right. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think, I mean, this has been incredible and uh, we could do this for hours, um, but <laughs> to be respectful of your time, um, is there anything that we haven't talked about that you really wanted to talk about um, and get out mm-hmm. there and then giving the opportunity to talk about uh, The Curious Fox and, and some sure. of the other work that you do as well. So we can, um, obviously it's it's a valuable resource. So send people your way. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate that actually. And and they're one and the same. I think the thing that I would say is try to find community um, and find community that aligns with where you're at in information. I think that in the beginning, for example, when I read opening up and that was my first introduction really to the language around non-monogamy, there was a lot of BDSM in that book. And that was not where I was at. And I just, and I, I had to learn like to separate out these two pieces. And at the time was just like, I don't understand the connection and what does this, what does one have to do with the other? And so you may be interested in kink and like you can find information and podcasts and and groups and meetups and stuff that are related to that. You can find, you know, if you're interested in, in non-monogamy and realizing we, we often conflate non-monogamy and polyamory. Those are two different things. So someone can be, you know, uh, non-monogamish or monogamish, right. And say like, we actually want to be loyal to each other sexually and and emotionally loyal, but maybe we're going to watch porn together maybe we're going to fantasize about other people and talk about that with each other. Like maybe that's like our, maybe we're going to go to play parties, but we're only allowed to like do that. Maybe we're going to swing. Maybe we're just going to hook up with other people. Maybe we're going to fall in love with other people. Like there's so many versions of what this could look like. So part of it is like figuring that out for yourself. But one way to figure that out is in community is to like read things and watch things and see things. Um, Curious Fox is an organization that is focused on being that bridge for someone who has no idea what something is to the folks who are like deeply in that world. And so if you, if I say the word compersion and you're like, I have no idea what that is. Great. We have an article about compersion in Curious Fox, right? Compersion is like the opposite of, of jealousy or, or co-lives with jealousy, right? It's the joy that you feel for someone else's experience. That's not your own. And so, or if you are like, you know, well, what does it mean to be with a woman for the first time? Great. We have an article on that. You know, like anything that's like your introduction, that's where the curiosity comes from Curious Foxes. It's just people who are simply like, wait, there's something else. 
what is that thing? It's like talking to your best friend, like whispering in the back of class and being like, did you hear what this word was? Like, what does that word mean? I heard it the other day and I don't know what it means. Like, if that's where you're at, like beautiful, don't pretend to like be now the BDSM expert and like go to like some basement thing. Cause you're going to be over in over your head. There is community for every stage of where somebody is. Just keep trying to find what that looks like. And the beautiful thing, you know, COVID had so much tragedy. One of the great things though, is that it did bring us together globally in a way that we didn't have access to before. Mm-hmm. So Curious Fox existed primarily in live events that happened in Brooklyn and now a year and a half later, we have the podcast and we have folks, you know, who, who we're talking to in, in Germany and Australia and all these other, like we have access now to a global community that we didn't when we were just based out of New York. And so I share that to say, you can find it. There is a Facebook group. I promise you there's a, there's a podcast, there's a blog post, there's a meetup group. There's, I promise you there is something just like start Googling whatever term and like, you'll start to like find that rabbit hole. And also once you start to, to find some folks that you trust, just ask them, ask them like, where can I learn more about this? Where can I? Um, so that would be my biggest piece of advice is continue to listen to this show. I think that the, the work that you both are doing to highlight different types of stories and experiences is incredibly valuable because I imagine every single week there is some moment where someone goes, wait, that's a thing. Like That's possible. That's allowed. I can do that, right? Like write down those things that like you thought were never possible. I remember growing up and I used to see um, uh, Frida Kahlo's relationship with her husband and they had two homes that were adjoined by a bridge. And I thought to myself, that is the relationship I want to have. I want to have my (laughs) own house and you should have your own house. And then we'll have a bridge and we can like come visit each other and have sleepovers. But that felt ideal. But I wouldn't even know that that was a thing until I saw that that existed for somebody else. And so give yourself permission and inspiration to explore what's possible for you by seeking out community and seeking out different experiences and different voices. Yeah. Yeah. Well, couldn't agree more. And and thank you for the, that. Then I I would just like to confirm that like we get emails all the time mm-hmm. of people asking a question and then like um a week later we'll get almost the exact same question from somebody else and yeah. I'm like I wish you two could meet each other because you need to know <laughs> you're not the only person and I often tell yeah. people I'm like look you aren't the first person like we get this question a lot and that I think that even just helps people to recognize yeah, it that does. and mm-hmm. to your point about the global community that was something that like when. The, when when we went into lockdown, we kind of scrambled and we're like, how can we take, because we wanted to start doing more in-person stuff. And now we've sort of made it virtual and done it where we're pulling people from all over the world and mm-hmm. people from New York are meeting people from California and Alaska and Florida. Mm-hmm. And so. Or yeah. Germany. Or, or Germany. Australia. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's, you, you, you can see like there's a lot of downsides to this lockdown, but there's also like it's opened us up in a way that we maybe wouldn't have mm-hmm. uh, if, if it yeah. hadn't happened. So yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm happy to hear you, you and the curious Fox have, have found the same mm-hmm. sort of upside and silver lining in that. Cause mm-hmm. that's awesome. Yeah. 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 It's true. And, and, and even within that, you know, think about your dimensions of diversity, um, your, you know, your queerness, your transness, your, 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 if you're people of color, if you're parents, if you're like, different people need to hear different information in different ways and be in different types of community. And again, it all exists. You just, yeah. you just got to find it. It is out there. I promise you, I'm sure that you too can help people navigate folks. You can reach out to me. I'll give you all my handle information. You can reach out to me, um, and help you find some, some sense of community. Um, but yeah, 
I just think yes. communities is, is important for possibility and inspiration. And just a note on your uh, information, it'll all be in the show notes too. Oh, so yeah. people can contact you. Yeah. Nice. Um, and yeah, I mean, again, we could do this for hours. Maybe we bring you <laughs> back on because uh, this has been incredible. I appreciate um, and maybe we can let you go um, unless there's any final things that you want to say. Uh, we always like to give people that opportunity as well. Um, no, that's it. I feel I feel really grateful to be in this conversation. I feel privileged that I have this opportunity to have this voice that I work for myself and don't feel afraid about sharing out things because non-monogamy yeah. is not uh, a protected class. And so you do have to be careful, you know, where you're having these conversations. And so I feel grateful that... Um, I want to name that, that, that privilege. And so, yeah, I'm just, I'm sitting in gratitude right now for this conversation with you all. Perfect. Well, thank as, you so much. As, as are, are we. we. Yeah. Yes. So, well, have a, have a wonderful, uh, New York afternoon. I guess it's still morning. Still it will morning. be, it will be yes. afternoon eventually. <laughs> yes. Uh, and yeah. we'll, we'll be in touch and we'll talk soon. Thank yeah. you. All right. Thank, thank you so much. much. Thank you. And we're back again. Again, thank you so much, Jacqueline, for coming on the show and sharing your story. We had an incredible conversation with you and loved talking to you. Also, if you want to check out, we encourage you to check out Jacqueline's work. Uh, all links to everything she mentioned are in the show notes. Just go to our website, normalizingnonmonogamy.com, and click on the podcast tab or in the podcast button in your little podcast player. Yeah. And again, thank you, uh, Jacqueline, for all the work you do. Uh, we appreciate it. Yes. All right. I don't even know where to go. We're, we've, we're having a morning. <laughs> yes, but what we want to say is don't forget tonight. That is June 23rd. Come join us for our virtual meet and greet. It's only $10. We'd love to have you go to our website and sign up on the meet and greet tab. Um, and again, as we said in the intro, this is going to be our last meet and greet until September. But don't worry, we will definitely be back with a bunch more meet and greets this fall. Absolutely. And uh, the last thing is just to say next week, we have an interview with Norm. This is not the same Norm from episode 80. Uh, one Different of the, Norm. One of the flaws in our naming convention is that uh, people have the same names. Yes. So <laughs> this is Norm, but not that Norm. This is a new Norm. <laughs> hey, we're trying to create a new Norm. We are. So this, this really is just all works tying out. together. Yeah. So it's a great conversation, um, and we're excited to get that out there next week. And we will, yeah, we'll see you all in a week. Yeah. Bye, everyone. Thanks for listening. <laughs>